Hello, it's Ed Gamble here from the Off Menu podcast that you're currently listening to. I am on tour now. The show is called Hot Diggity Dog. Make sure you go and get yourself a ticket. I'm probably coming to a town near you if you live in the UK and Ireland. And Ireland, Dublin and Belfast. Do go to edgamble.co.uk, buy yourself a ticket, and I'll see you for an evening of Hot Diggity Dog. Hot Diggity Dog! Thank you, James. So first you sprinkle the sugar of chat and brulee it with the torch of fun. Welcome to a very special episode of the Off Menu Podcast, in a way, James. Very lovely intro, Ed Gamble. It is a very special episode of the Off Menu Podcast, but it's also a special episode of Films to be Buried with, with Brett Goldstein, another hit yes. podcast, may I say. It's a fantastic podcast. It's one of my favourite podcasts out there. I think I've probably listened to every episode apart from a couple that I couldn't make it through. You and me both, buddy. I know you don't listen to any podcasts, James. But hopefully this is an episode uh, that you're going to love all the way through. It's a very fun mashup episode. Uh, We are doing this for the brilliant comic relief. If anyone else came and asked us to do this mashup, we'd say absolutely not. No way. No way. Too much effort. Don't want to have to think about this. But for comic relief, me and you, James, and the wonderful Brett Goldstein, we'll do anything, won't we? Yep, Acast are bringing your favourite podcasters together for a series of special podcast mashups in support of Red Nose Day, baby. Yeah, we all need a bit of a laugh right now. Hopefully we can provide that. Uh, And this Red Nose Day, your laugh can help create serious change across the country and around the world. Funny as power! Get involved this Red Nose Day and help people living incredibly tough lives. So if you can, please give now at comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. I'd do it now uh, before you listen to the episode uh, because, look, we're all friends. It's going to be a laugh. Things might get messy. Just give the money now and we'll apologise later. Yeah, because afterwards, you're going to be so delirious from having laughed so much, you won't be able to donate any money to anything. So do it now while you've still got your mind assembled. So go to comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup now, donate the money, then listen to the episode. So I think the idea is going to be, because Brett has a series of questions in his podcast, we have a series of questions in our podcast, but we're going to do the questions that Brett has in his. He has things like first film you saw, what's the funniest film you saw, but we're going to twist it and we're going to talk about foods from our lives, James. Yeah, same questions, but about food. Will they translate? This isn't our menu, we should also stress. This is not our off-menu menu. Yeah, don't think this is our off-menu menu. It's not. No way. We're being asked earliest food memory and stuff like that. That's not our off-menu menu. So don't no. make this part of the off-menu canon. So without further ado, this is the very first and probably last episode of M- Menus to be Buried menus With. Menus to be buried with. Comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup to donate. Hello and welcome to Menus to be Buried With. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by an Uber fan, the biggest fan of my podcast there's ever been, and I've sworn I'd give him a chance to be on it once. He keeps telling me he has been on it. I find it difficult to remember. But please welcome to this very special comic relief special edition of Films to be Buried With, where we won't be talking about films, we'll be talking about food, which is something I genuinely couldn't give a shit about. Please welcome to the show, the amazing (laughs) Mr. Peddy Pambles. Oh, thanks, Brett. Thank you. Peddy Pambles. (laughs) Oh, Oh. no. Welcome, Peddy Pambles, to the graveyard. We've been expecting you for some time. Oh, man. This guy always interrupts everything I do. This now seems like a ventriloquist act, doesn't it? <laughs> Take your top uh, off. This is... <laughs> Take your top off, Bradley. 
Oh, hang on. Brett. This is my inner voice. It's become a genie. I'm the genie of the graveyard. Brett Goldstein, take your top off. <laughs> Please also welcome to the show, the genie. I'm the genie of the graveyard. And listen, Brett. Yeah. The people want you to take your top off. That is what happens. You're Roy Kent. Yeah. You're Roy Kent with your beautiful hairy chest. Yeah. And every single scene, you have your top off. And that's what people know you for. It's your brand. And we need that in the episode. I tell you what, you really realise how high concept both our podcasts are when you try and mash them <laughs> together, right? And James has to pretend to be a genie of a graveyard and that we're both dead and we get buried with food. Is that what's happening? Oh, wait, I'd forgotten to tell you that. You're both dead. What? You're both dead. Yeah, you're dead, you're dead. The genie's dead, finally, thank God. And Paddy Pambles, I'm sorry, before you had the chance to get on the podcast, you died. Oh, no. You're both dead. Oh, man. How did you die, though? Genies can't die. You think that, but once the free wishes have used up, dead. That's the tragedy of the genie. They never te- Do you not know that about genies? The legends of they genies. Get free. You, get, you get three wishes. Once you've done the free wishes, genie's dead. Like, the, like a wasp that's used its stinger. Dead. That's true. Do you dead. not remember Aladdin when... When he does the three wishes at the end and then and then he dies, he explodes and he's dead. Do you remember? Oh, I don't remember that. I must have buried that in my head because it must have been very traumatic for me watching that as a young genie. Yeah, that's why the live action one's particularly sort of shocking because Will Smith is so beloved. And he goes, yeah. oh, one more wish, please. And they go, and Will, you remember Will Smith keeps going, seriously, do you need a third? And that is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just one more. You said three. And he goes, yeah, I know I said it, but do you need the third? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And he says, oh, I, I wish for some peanut butter. And Will Smith's like, are you kidding me? That was what? And then he died. <laughs> the perfect riff for this particular episode, uh, Brett managed to get films and end it with a food reference with the peanut butter there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Very good. Not many people could have done that. Thank you very much. The top stays on, though, I notice. I notice he's keeping the top on. The, the thing is, I, I'd take it off. It's, it's obviously, it's quite threatening. You keep saying, take it off, take it off, like, like this mm, is the Masked mm. Singer or something. But this is an audio <laughs> podcast, so the only people I'd be taking it off for is you, you and Ed, which, again, mm. I'm, I'm not against doing. Man, yes. that would be such a rubbish version of the, the Masked Singer if it, you could see exactly who they were, but at the end, they had to take their tops off if they got voted out. And and they, and they do it just for Joel Domit. No one else gets to see it. Oh. But they just go in a room with Joel and take their top off. And Joel comes out and goes, "It was a good, good, good stuff." Well, yeah, Joel would take his top off, and the end, the winner of the final would be anyone who had a better body than Joel, as oh. judged by Joel. Yeah, yeah. So no one. Joel would make that decision. No. Yeah, Joel would win every every single series of the Masked Singer would be won by Joel, and he wins it every time. <laughs> and it's just him in a room with a person going, take it off, take mine <laughs> off. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, we're here for our favourite TV show, Comic Relief. It's my favourite my favorite night of the year. I like it more than Christmas, actually, Comic Relief. Because it combines comedy and relief. And I like yeah. both of those things very, very, very much. And it's nice to be able to contribute in some way to that. You two, we're here to talk about food. Because you have a podcast called Off Menu. Yes. Yes. Um, and you know what? I'm a huge fan of that podcast and it really works despite the fact that I have almost no interest in food. Yeah. This is cra- This is the crazy thing, Brett. You, you, I've mm. never met anyone with less interest in food than you. You just <laughs> don't care, do Joel you? Joel Domit? Joel Domit, maybe. But, but at least he's, I think he's thinking about food like, I've got to consume this food so I can go and do my CrossFit. I think you mm. just walk yeah. around. You, you, do your, you told me you do an exercise class with some mums every day. And then that's all you do. And that's it. I go back to bed. Here's a food I like. Coleslaw. I fucking love coleslaw. I love it. I love it. Oh, my God. And I'll tell you you a little secret about Ted Lasso. Sometimes they say to me, what do you want for lunch? And I say, a shit ton of coleslaw. No, Brett. Are you kidding? That's all he eats. That's why in some of those shots... When Brett's walking around with his top off, you can see in his chest hair, it's just some mayonnaise. Bit of carrot. What's that in his, what, what's that in his, in his, in his chest throw there? Bit of cabbage hanging off his nipple. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's that in there for? Is he, is he savagely in a bucket of coleslaw before filming this scene? <laughs> Has he had an aggressive amount of coleslaw? <laughs> anyway, look, you two have died. How did you die? Oh, I'm dead again. Just to let everyone know, I have me and James have both done Brett's podcast twice. We've died yes. and then been brought back from the dead. And mm-hmm. now we're going to die again. Yeah. Oh, no. 
How did you die mm. this time? Well, I'm a genie this time, so I guess according to you, I've given someone three wishes and then got and then died. Yeah. What was the last wish you gave to someone, and what was it? The last wish that someone gave was they said, um, "I'd like to win the Masked Singer," and that person was Joel Domit. And I sorted oh. it out for him so that he would win every single series because the new rules are that they take their top off, and if they haven't got as good a body as Joel, they lose. And Joel wins. Really? So that was the last dream that I made come true. That was worth dying for. Well, yeah, it was actually. I got an email uh, mm-hmm. asking me to do an audition for Ted Lasso, and yep. I was got so nervous that when I was in the audition room, a vein in my brain exploded. Wow. Yes. And I died. And that wasn't part of the script. No, and it was still the best audition I've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we. I remember Jason saying to me, that was amazing improv that he did with his forehead. And I said, yeah. no, he's, he, he's actually died. Did you not notice <laughs> when dead. the ambulance people came and took his body away? Like, yeah, great improv. <laughs> he was like, that was real commitment to the bit. I auditioned for Ted Lasso and I took audition. Mm. It, it was one of the uh, scenes that Brett had written and it was very confusing. <laughs> Uh, uh, so many stuff, so many references to Nick Mohammed, and uh, and, and it was just basically me comment, commentating on an orgy that was taking place in the uh, in, in, yeah. in the changing room, and using everyone's off off camera names. It was very weird. Yeah, the scene I, I had to do one of Brett's scenes as well, um, yes. and hmm. it involved me. Um, it involved me. I think the the phrase was borrowing inside Giles from Buffy's pants. Yes. Oh, yes. He calls him Giles from Buffy all the time yeah. in the script. I forgot that. He always says, and then Giles from Buffy gets his tight buns out. I know you keep, you both keep texting me going, it's weird I've watched the season and none of the scenes you made me audition for mm. seem to have made the final cut. Yeah. And just to let you know, that was just, that's just how it works. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, okay. We shot them all, obviously, yeah. but it was to do with time, running time and stuff like that. Yeah. Because yeah. you said Jason Sudeikis was going to be there, but I knew it was you with a piece of paper that said Jason Sudeikis on it. <laughs> yes. And it, and it, well, yeah, but... But it was me. I was there for Jason. Jason was on a Zoom that you couldn't see. He and he was so grateful that you did it. Oh, he, said, cool. yeah. he said those guys were amazing and we should use them. But the running time is how we couldn't use those scenes. But I've I've kept them obviously. What do you think happens when you die and you're into food? In Ratatouille, Gusto is a ghost and he uh, helps a rat find his uh, you know find his inspiration and become a chef. So I think in the food world, you become a ghost and then you help an animal that isn't a human. Uh, become a chef okay. so that's yes if we're going if we're doing the film uh, food crossover i would say that i've become a ghost and now i'm trying to help probably yeah a gerbil or another kind of rodent uh chinchilla maybe uh become mm-hmm. a chef in a high-end restaurant similar to to the film in Ra- the film ratatouille do you think the chinchilla is a secret thing yes yeah the chinchilla is uh he lives under the jumper of a of a young pot washer and uh, pulls his nipples to move all of his limbs uh, and basically just becomes the best pot washer in the world. So, but if I go to that restaurant, I don't know the chinchillas. No. If I see the chinchilla, I'm I'm not impressed. No, you'd be furious. But everyone's like, you've got to go to this restaurant. It's the cleanest dishes, cleanest plates I've mm. ever eaten off of. It's so hygienic. It's yeah. so great. And then obviously there'd be a bit in the film where they discover the chinchillas doing it all. And they're like, this is the opposite of good hygiene. We're shutting this down. Mm. And then the chinchilla would end up with its own kind of like company at the end, I imagine. What's the name of the company? Uh, good. Yeah, good question. Good question. Um, I I think that maybe they would uh they would they would specialize in like chilled foods and it'd be called like you know chinchilla 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 chill yeah. yeah chinchilla really good. Uh, yeah, Gamble, yeah. What 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 do you think happens after you die and you care about food? Uh, they probably think oh, I'll get some organs out of him to donate them to other people and then realize they're useless because I've spent. My life eating fat, yeah. Because you are you are a human foie gras. Yeah, because I I am like a force fed goose of a human being. Yes, <laughs> but he's done it to himself. There's awful yeah. photos of Ed on yeah. the internet. Yeah, blurry photos from inside <laughs> a, in my house, where I've got I've just hammered a funnel down my own neck and I'm just <laughs> pouring fat and bacon fat into it and stuff. <laughs> well, good news, you're both right. That's exactly what happens. Um, <laughs> But so, so what we're doing, the three of us are having a meeting at Chinchillas and uh, it's quite cold because he only sells chilled food. But we're hanging out. We've, we've, put, we've, put warm, we've put warm coats on. 
and um and the people at chinchilla which is also a sort of heaven in a way uh are they want to know about your life that you just left but they want to know about it through the medium of meals you've eaten and uh what they want to know first is uh, uh petty pambles and the genie what's the first meal you remember eating it's well look let's not beat around the bush i can't remember it but likelihood is first meal i ate was my mum's titty milk nice <laughs> but i can't remember that which is a blessed relief for both me and my mum that we can look each other in the eye and i don't remember that yeah but i've i remember incidents she remembers it yeah but it'd be weird if i did sure but like you say it's a blessed relief for you both but like uh, maybe for mums it is always weird for yeah, maybe. you you can't remember it's fine for you but maybe for mums they always look at us and go oh Ugh, god, god oh that. no yeah can't believe we did that <laughs> i guess it would be weird if you said uh it was the first and best meal <laughs> yeah uh, oh i should say uh, that's my answer for all the questions okay <laughs> Hey, my my, I I never had it. I never had. My mum never did it to me. So really, tells, oh, that tells you everything suddenly you need to everything's know. explained. Everything is put <laughs> into place. Absolutely, everything makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you're such a healthy looking man, Brett. I I feel like if you ever wanted to hop on board the anti breastfeeding movement, you'd be the poster boy for that. Yeah, you'd be like, I didn't have titty milk, and look at me. She just used to pump protein shakes into my mouth. <laughs> The baby, <laughs> yeah, little baby Roy Kent, <laughs> very hairy mama. chest, little baby. Yeah, give me some coleslaw. <laughs> Go on, Ed. What's the first meal you had? I remember, remember. I remember, I remember this. We were on holiday in Grenada. I was a small boy. <laughs> to the table was delivered the a bowl of green stuff. It mm. was. Callaloo, which I believe is spinach soup. This is your first meal you remember? This is Callaloo. Yeah, this is one of them, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was like maybe four or five. Okay. And I said, I'm not having that. You Come on, I'm a kid. I'm not going to knit the spinach <laughs> on, soup. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And my mum said, spinach is what Popeye eats to make him strong. Yeah. Yes. I ate that whole goddamn bowl of Callaloo. Yes. Look at you now. Riddled with diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> so weak. So weak. That's lovely, that. She was. She wasn't wrong. That is what made Popeye strong. He had a whole song about it. He was quite... He, he was a real, like, yeah. propaganda machine for the old spinach. But here's yeah. what I think about that, though, is he must have been slightly strong beforehand because he often just squeezes the can of spinach and it pops open. He needs to be <laughs> fucking strong to do that to start yeah. with. Yeah, That's you're true. already strong. He's got good genes from the off. He's left that bit out, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. He's gone, I, I, I'm quick to the finish because I eat my spinach and I've got a sort of good genes. Yeah. yeah. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Plus, P.S., I was already strong. Uh, the genie, what about you? What's the first meal you remember eating? I ge- this is going to sound like I'm just saying it because of the film and stuff, but I genuinely think it was a ratatouille-type dish that it was courgettes and this, like, tomatoey sauce... And I remember we had it quite a lot at home. Uh, my mum would make it a lot, and maybe there would be some pasta involved. Um, and that, I just remember having that loads as a kid growing up. And I don't remember having it past a certain age. I, I think like maybe it was just in my primary school, and it stopped being cooked after a while, stopped being part of the repertoire. But like I remember, why do you think it stopped? I think um, yeah, my mum's always been uh, you know good chef, but I think she's got better and better over the years and more adventurous. And that started to be something like, nah, that's child's play. I'm doing mm. better stuff now. And like that was one of the simple dishes early on when like, you know, she had three little kids running around who were maniacs and was like, right, doing this quick for them. Get that done. I remember that and skin on chips that you know, we had a little fryer. Um, and that, again, that was a brief time in my life when we had a fryer at home. But yeah, my mum mum would do skin on chips and would have them with the ratatouille, and I'd eat, eat that. But we didn't call it ratatouille; it wasn't really called anything. To well, not to us. We weren't asking. As a kid, you don't really go. What What do you call this dish, mother? <laughs> I would. Yeah, Edward. <laughs> Edward have said that. But your mum doesn't go. We're having stew tonight. She doesn't say. Yeah. She must have given it a title. We're having yeah. the thing. I'm going to stop cooking soon. 
Yes. So make the most of it because it's never coming back. Yes. We're having the tomatoey thing with courgettes in. Yeah. Not ratatouille, but you know what I mean. She wouldn't have said that, would she? <laughs> no, no, she wouldn't have said that. I, I don't, she wasn't really declaring it to anyone. All we cared about, and this won't surprise Ed, is all as Acasters were, were asking all the time was what's for dessert, what's yeah. for pudding. Mm. And, um, you know, because we were highly motivated by pudding, it would just be, it would always just told it's a surprise and you have to eat your main course first. And so we'd shovel that down. What was the surprise? That there wasn't dessert? Well, sometimes it was something great. Sometimes it was ice cream. We were, we were over the moon. But often it was mm. natural yogurt with some raisins and we absolutely went berserk. But we were oh, like, man. are you are you kidding me, mum? We got really angry. <laughs> That's a cruel surprise. That is very cruel. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> I like that now. I'd love, I'd love to be offered natural yogurt with raisins now. Mm. You deserve. Well, good job you're dead. <laughs> Be a waste of a living mouth. <laughs> Pomodoms or Brett? Uh, <laughs> it's a crossover episode. Pomodoms or Brett? Oh, I love it. Oh, I. Oh no, I had one ready for you. Fuck. This is a crossover episode, and I'm asking you both: Pomodoms or Brett? Oh, Brett for me all the time. If I went for a curry, and they yeah. said. Mm. Do you want us to bring out the normal poppadoms, or shall we bring your friend Brett Goldstein out here and you can have a chat with him? I'd say, mm-hmm. bring me Brett Goldstein, please. Yes. That's really sweet. I, I, I'd take poppadoms over myself. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. But popcorn or Ed? Popcorn <laughs> or Ed? <laughs> you've, gone, <laughs> you've, gone to, you've gone to the cinema yeah. and you're on your own and you get to the counter and the man says, popcorn or Ed? Popcorn or Ed? Do you want popcorn or do you want your friend, friend Ed Gamble to come and join you at the cinema? That's so easy. I would easily choose Ed Gamble. Um, not only because I like watching films with Ed, but also mm. I'm not that much of a fan of popcorn anyway. So it's not even... Um, right. Let me get this straight. I would probably choose Ed Gamble over, you know, some Ben and Jerry's before going to the cinema. Yeah, and that's, that, that's big stuff. Wow. But, uh, but popcorn is not a... That's, I don't care about the popcorn. Me and James went to the cinema to see Mother to, uh, uh, together. Oh, here we go. And, Instantly uh, regret bigging him up now. I know, I know it's about to come. I know no, it's I, think, I think we were good. We go. we're, a we're a good. I'm a dumbass, apparently, Brett. We're a good pair at the cinema. Here we go. Here we go, Brett. Apparently, I'm a thick piece of shit. No, I'm just saying we came out of the film mm. and I was, you know, throwing out some theories there as to what the film might be about and what might be some of the, some of the subtext of the film. Uh, and I was going. Maybe it's about you know Mother Nature. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's the you know the story of Christianity. Maybe it's all of these things. Uh, and it turns out James just hadn't thought about any of that and just thought it was a weird story. I'd liked it, but I'd taken it all completely literally. And yeah, we came out and I said, in I said, well, it was stressful. I'll give it that. That was a stressful film. And then Ed was like. I think it's the story of Genesis, isn't it? It's the book of Genesis, and it's uh, it's Mother Nature and God. And I was like. You've blown my mind. <laughs> I want to see that film again now under that lens. I'm so glad I didn't choose popcorn. Yeah. And he was like, are you serious? Are you serious? You didn't even think about any of that stuff? I was like, no, I just watched the film. And there were two people in a house and people kept coming to the house. <laughs> and then since then, Brett, I've watched films mm. and I've really thought about what they're about because my friend Ed Gamble taught me it's not just what's going on on screen. Yeah. Sometimes... It all represents other stuff. Do you know, my, I've, I've told this on a podcast, but you know Lolly Adafope, yep. we all love her. Yes. Uh, my favourite thing with her in films is I'd said to her, you should see Mother. She went to see Mother. She texted me. She said, Bradley, that is the worst film I've ever seen. I replied, is it? She <laughs> half an hour wrote back, just talked about it. I think it's the best film I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> to donate £5, text the word COMIC to 70205. Text cost your donation amount plus your standard network message charge. And 100% of your donation will go to Comic Relief, a registered charity. You must be 16 or over and please ask the bill payer's permission. For full terms and conditions, visit comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. What is the meal that made you cry the most? Have you ever cried at a meal? Man, you're obsessed with making people cry. This guy. He loves it. I have cried at a meal before. Great. Yeah, go on. No, Don't it's worry. nice. This is a nice story. Okay, okay, good. I was in Japan. Oh, I know mm-hmm. what this is going to be. Here we go. Whoa. No, it's not. It's, we, tell we were, a nice story, Gene. Me and Get my, a sick bucket ready. This is, this is me disgusting. and my new fiancé, as in she was 
newly my fiance. As in, I've not got a new fiance. Not the now. newest. Not the newest. Okay. No, current and new at the time. Right. Went to an amazing restaurant in Tokyo called Inoa, and I was just very happy. So I had a little cry. <laughs> he had just got engaged, and he was in the, this amazing place abroad, and they were eating a lovely meal, and he cried because he was so happy. And I just had a little, a little cry, Brett. But just a few tears, you know. You can't, you can't do it. That's you can't do it too openly. Mike, can it you? looks like he's crying right now. Yeah. Are you crying or laughing, Brett? That. I'm crying. I can't handle that. <laughs> can't handle that level of sincere emotion. Also, I was shit-faced. Oh, <laughs> God. Wine pairings, am I right? What did your newest fiancé say when she saw you crying at, at this restaurant? She was uh, also overtaken by emotion, but in a way... Facially, she she um, suggested that she was also disgusted with me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went right back to being incredibly boring about the food, Brett. And then everything was back to normal. <laughs> Listen, well done. You're you're very. I forget that you occasionally have glimmers of being very emotionally open, and I really should get you on the podcast one day. What about <laughs> you? Uh, what about you, the genie? Is it, have you ever? What's the meal that made you cry the most? I don't think I've ever cried at a meal, if I'm honest. No, I don't think you've ever cried. <laughs> I'll cry. Come on. I've cried. Give me some credit. You've had a go. I've seen it. You've had like a robot trying, like, yeah. making yeah, yeah. a face, stabbing it with water. You cry like you're having a difficult shit. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I cry during a difficult shit. So no food. No food has made you cry. I don't think so. I've eaten food that I've loved. I don't think I've ever eaten food that's made me so happy that I want to cry. I've cried so much I want to eat some food. Sure. Now we're talking. That's different. <laughs> Have a good cry and then like, I mean to eat some food, you know. I've, I've told the story many a times of when I stayed up one night during a particularly bad year in my life, got absolutely smashed on my own, started crying, and then ate some cold lasagna out of the fridge and it was delicious. That's probably my, you know, the, the closest we're going to get to crying and eating food. Is that night in my life? It's been a very lucrative meal that cold lasagna. <laughs> yeah, I really did well out of that. No one told me at the time this is going to go better for you than you think it is, James. <laughs> What's a meal that's meant to be bad? People are like, oh, I don't like that meal. I really look down on that meal, but you two love that meal, no matter what. It's mad, isn't it? When you take questions that are meant for films, yeah, to be about films, and you try and apply them to the world world of food, you're like, well, food and films really aren't very similar. <laughs> <laughs> but this works better than if we did it the other way round and asked Brett, "What's your favourite dessert meal?" Right? The dessert film. Yeah. What's your favorite? sorry dessert film? I can't even say it properly. Oh. Um, <laughs> A food that everyone says they hate, but I really like. Oh, I know that for Ed. Uh, Go on then. You like brains. Wow. He loves brains when he goes to an Indian restaurant. He loves to eat the brains. No, if anything's on a menu, a a nice restaurant that seems a bit odd or I've not had it before, of course I'm going to order it. Brains. Brains. Whose brains is it you're eating? I don't know whose (laughs) brain it is, actually. You should check. I do feel like you should ask before you eat and consume their intelligence. Whose brain am I taking on? <laughs> oh, you're worried it'd be it'd be like a like a film where you eat their brain and then yeah. you take on them. You Become eat their memories. Them. Yeah, yeah. If you had to eat uh, someone's brain, who's like an actor or a director, or in the mm. film industry, whose brain would you eat? Instead of being, say, Michelle Pfeiffer in Grease Two, instead of eating Michelle Pfeiffer's brains. I'd eat Maxwell Caulfield's brains so I could experience being with Michelle Pfeiffer rather than being Michelle Pfeiffer. I see. But also I'm I'm getting to be in Greece too and, you know, ride a motorbike and sing songs, you know. I think we could ask a million people that question and no one would say that answer. No, definitely not. I actually wrote down steamed broccoli for that answer, but I prefer the brains chat. What uh, what, what about you, Jeannie? Whose brains would you like to eat? Um, I would like to eat a really clever person's brains in case you then get really clever off the back of it. Um, Obviously in a film. Ed's brain. Ed's brain. If, it, if I was thinking about characters in films, uh, yeah. I would like to eat Bradley Cooper's character in the film Limitless when he's taken the pill. I would like mm. to then eat his brains and see how clever I would feel. That's one of the few things in films that I, I like. If someone was like, 
you can make something from a film reel and try it. Mm. I would like to have the limitless pill. I get that, but he doesn't yeah. use it properly. You wouldn't want his brain because the first thing he does when he takes the lim- limitless pill is fuck his landlord. <laughs> You gotta be brainy for stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta be real clever. Not many people you've met have fucked their landlord because they're not smart enough to do it. (laughs) Only very smart people have done it. Which real life person's (laughs) brain would you like to eat, the genie? I guess I would like to eat Brian Cox's brain. I would like I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd order Brian Cox's brain and then I wouldn't know if I was gonna get the science guy (laughs) or the actor. Yeah, that's and then I'd eat it. And I'd see how I turned out at the end. And if I was like, oh, space is dead good. I love space. Space is so cool. Then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm the science guy. And if I was like, now fuck off. <laughs> that was pretty good. Cox. I mean, your Brian, Cox, really good. your Brian Cox, the first one, was so yeah. bad that I, was, I wasn't holding out much hope for the fuck off. But <laughs> great. Yeah. Really good. Really good. Yeah. Watched all of that recently as well, so I know. I know. Me too. I watched, watched all of it recently. Watched all of it. He ends every single sentence with "now fuck off." I love it. <laughs> um, what's the meal you 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 loved it years ago? Could be your mother's milk. Could be anything from years ago. <laughs> Actually, on, this just, is just, just going just to cross something out. <laughs> uh, the meal you loved years ago, but it does not hold up for you anymore. Ed Gamble's. Uh, as James knows, I was a very, a very precocious child when it came to food. Anyway, so I think very quickly my parents realised that to not give me any of the stuff that you're supposed to give kids that kids genuinely like, um, because I wasn't into it. Like, so I think the food I'd started eating from quite a young age is still the sort of food I like now. So once I went to a wedding when I was a kid, uh, and um, there was a separate table for the kids' food. Uh, and I didn't want any of it, and they were all eating like nuggets and stuff, carrot sticks, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I was like, "Nuggets and carrots, Dad, I'm not having that. No way, I'm not touching the kids' table stuff. Who do you think I am? It's bland, it's flavourless. I'm not going to sit with those chumps and eat that. I want to sit with you, and I want to eat what the adults are having." And he was like, "Okay, I'll go and check." And they were like, "Well, we sort of budgeted for a certain amount of adults and a certain amount of kids, so is it okay for you?" And my dad was like, "It's so much easier if you just give them some of the adults' food." And there was a bit of an argument over it; it nearly ruined the day. Uh, but um, that's what I like to call the first time I tasted poached salmon. <laughs> Eddie, you say you don't like poached salmon anymore. No, I, li- I do like poached salmon a lot. I will rarely, I'll rarely have a poached salmon. But I think what I was saying was that most... I actually... It's probably the other way around for me. I probably enjoy, like, kids' food more now, like chicken nuggets. I quite like mm-hmm. now, but probably as a child, I saw it as a sign of immaturity to have that sort of thing. The genie, what is... What is a meal that you used to love? You don't love it anymore? Uh, two answers for this. I don't know which one to go with. It's not a meal... But when I was a yeah, when I was a kid, I, all my pocket money went on penny sweets from the shop, and I loved, you know, just hard boiled sweets, chewy sweets. The more sugar on them, the better. The fizzy ones, all that kind of stuff. Now I still have a very big sweet tooth, but I prefer chocolate and cake and stuff. And, I, and sweets are too much for me. And I can't handle sweets, and it makes me feel. It makes me feel like my, my teeth are dissolving just thinking about them. I mean, that's probably the biggest one because it used to be my whole life revolved around sweets mm. and that's all I ever wanted. And now it's like, no, thank you. I think it's going to erode my entire jaw. Also, another answer is that when I was 17, maybe 18, I went through a stage of every single day having a peanut butter and bacon sandwich and I would uh, <laughs> eat that. Oh. Every Me and my friend wow. Graham. Both got into peanut butter and bacon sandwiches because we'd seen the team. Mate, we've done a hundred episodes of a food podcast. Never heard that before. (laughs) Haven't you? Peanut butter and bacon. I want to try it. We watched a TV series called Ed, which is about a a lawyer who also owns a bowling alley called the Stucky Bowl. And uh, in one of the episodes... I don't think he owns it. Huh? I don't think he owns it. I think that's just where his office is. Yes. I think it's actually owned by Michael Ian Black. Yes. And... uh, and (laughs) In one of the episodes, uh, you don't see him eat it, but he mentions that he's recently had a peanut butter and bacon sandwich and that the bacon fat mixes with the peanut butter and, it, and it's really delicious. And me and my friend Graham were like, 
let's have that today because we've got the ingredients. So we made it and it was great. And we ate it all the time until we told one of our friends about it. And she said, do you have any idea how unhealthy that is for you? <laughs> and we were that like, no. Good. And uh, she was like, you shouldn't be eating that every single day. And then we stopped eating it. Well, that's what killed Elvis. Peanut butter and bacon sandwiches. I think he had peanut, peanut butter, bacon and banana sandwiches. Yeah. Sometimes put some ice cream in there as well, like an absolute king. God, that sounds fucking great. I say I don't like food, but that's that's got me interested in it. And now I'm like, tell me more about this food. <laughs> food sounds great. Also, we, make, yeah, get the bacon just right. I like it crispy. Mm. I, don't, I don't like all flabby, fatty bacon. Get it nice and crispy. Uh, we had crunchy peanut butter, but you can do, do it with uh, smooth, but actually really good with crunchy peanut butter. Brett's writing down the recipe. Brown bread. I'm literally writing it down. I'm so excited. Yeah. What I will say is I've, what I have discovered, again, I'm lying about not caring about food because I do absolutely love peanut Marmite peanut butter, peanut butter Marmite. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love it. And then the other day I went to the shop and they've got Marmite hummus. I thought, I'll try it. I fucking love it. Turns out Marmite goes with everything. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Mate, have you had the Marmite yeah. cashews? Oh, yeah. Marmite cashews oh, are great. Wow. Marmite cheese. Yeah. Marmite chocolate brownies. Oh, I can't see anything it won't work with. To donate £5, text the word COMIC to 70205. Text cost your donation amount plus your standard network message charge and 100% of your donation will go to Comic Relief, a registered charity. You must be 16 or over and please ask the bill payer's permission. For full terms and condition, visit comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. Now, for both of you, I, I think you can be have a sincere answer for this. You might not. It's up to you, of course. But uh, the question is, what's the meal that means the most to you? Not necessarily the food, but because of what happened at that meal that will always be a very special meal to you. The genie, why don't you go first this time? Well, so Milton Jones was like one of the first um, comics that I supported on tour. I supported Joe Solomon Milton Jones on tours. I was starting out in comedy and it was, you know, comedy finally becoming my job. And everything was very exciting. And at the end of that Milton Jones tour, I'd done Josie's tour, then Milton's tour, back to back. And at the end of it, we got taken uh, for a meal at one of Heston's restaurants. But it's Heston's like pub one. It's like he's got some pub, you know, more pub, uh, gastro pub kind of thing. It was outside of London. I can't remember what it's called now. The Heinz Head, the Great Benito says. And we went there and the meal was fine, but it was more that while having the meal at the end of the tour, I remember thinking, oh, I'm a. I'm a comedian now. This tour's over, and I'm gonna. After this, I'm gonna. I'm not. I don't have to go back and work at the school. I can carry on doing gigs. It was very nice, but very small. You know, the kind of small fancy foods and stuff. But you know, I think. Uh, we, yeah, we can all relate uh, the three of us to that moment when you go. Oh, I don't have to. This is my job, and uh, I remember yeah having that meal and realizing at that meal that this was my job. That's lovely. I feel like did did uh, Milton Jones like do something like you know knight you or something like was there a ceremony that was like <laughs> now you are a comedian did he put like a red nose on you or like what what happened yeah he gave me a Hawaiian shirt and some wax for my hair and he said <laughs> this is what go out into do. the world and uh, <laughs> and do one liners support supporting Milton the main thing you get from mm. people all the time was people coming up to you after after the show you go out and fans want his autograph and as a support act you're standing to one side and they kind of while they're waiting for him they want to chat to you about about him and they'd always go is he like that off stage as well is he always like it going are you kidding me be absolutely insufferable <laughs> uh, they'd say that and one of one of them this is before i really knew i, I did know ed quite a little bit then but we weren't hanging out all the time but uh ed was supporting greg davis at the same around the same time and uh came out of a gig in oxford and this guy came up to me and went I'll tell you who the best support act is that I've ever seen after I've just done a gig. Ed Gamble. <laughs> you seen Ed Gamble? And I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, right, get a load of this. And then he performed Ed's full routine about having a having a circumcision to me. And I had to stand there and listen to this guy. But this guy half remembering the whole routine and going, and then he gets, gets his foreskin cut off, right? They cut off his foreskin. And he hasn't got a foreskin anymore. And then uh, he that wakes up and he wakes up and he looks at the nurse yeah. and he's like, he goes, oh, um, I, I came in for an eye operation. 
And he's like, and then I pissed myself laughing. And my missus was next to me and she was pissing herself laughing. And Greg Davis were good. But like, we can talk about that foreskin routine. That guy, he doesn't have a foreskin anymore. <laughs> uh, I went, I've got to do a podcast with that guy. Yeah. If I'm going to. Yeah, that's, that's essential to the future. <laughs> that guy's going to have a foreskin. <laughs> That's a lovely answer, the genie. Thank you. What about you, Petty Pambles? What's the uh, meal that means the most to you? I ate my own foreskin. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it was the I've placenta. heard this routine from somewhere. Sure. <laughs> I just want to quickly say that when I used to tour with Greg Davis and uh, I never stood to one side when he was having photos, people would always ask me to take the photos for them and I'd always cut his head off in the photo. You couldn't do one date on that tour. And I yeah. stood in for you. Yeah. My God, Greg is such a nice man. He has photos with the whole audience yes. and you're there for hours afterwards. Yes. I don't blame you for entertaining yourself and doing stuff like that. But the problem the problem is they'd, they'd check the photo and then realise the head had been cut <laughs> off and then I'd have to take it again. So we were there for double the time. A meal I remember. The time me and James and Lloyd yes. Langford and John Robbins went to New York... Featured mm-hmm. some of the great meals. Yeah, yeah. Some of the great meals. Uh, and if you'll remember, Brett, it was all over the... Splashed all over the news. We got stranded there because of a blizzard. Huge news. Um, yes. I did a hit show about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we got stranded there, and we were in a restaurant called The Dutch. It was really snowing yes. outside, and that's when we got the text saying our flight had been cancelled. Not just postponed to a different date, cancelled. And we were sat there having this amazing meal, and we realised that there was a minute of panic of what we're going to do, how we're going to get home. And then we looked around and we're like, we're in a fantastic restaurant. And then it was the most freeing feeling in the world. We were yeah. like, I guess we're just ordering another bottle of wine. We're getting dessert. Yeah. And who knows what we're going to do. We just have to enjoy this meal as much as possible. And that was, it was that's great. such a great feeling. We did have so many memorable meals on that holiday. Because every yeah, single... Because also, up until that point, we basically had our holiday double. But yeah. It was like five days and then another four days or something. Yes. And until then, because we were like, we've only got five days here, we had three special meals a day. I had to make each one of them count as well. And the whole day was just, you know, planned around. We're eating there, and then we'll walk to this part of New York and have lunch there, and then that we'll walk over to that part and have dinner. So, like, pretty much three memorable meals a day. But I remember that one. Also, for me, that was quite a one of those pressure meals, because, like, I had been to the Dutch before, but you guys hadn't, I don't think. And so it was my kind of suggestion that we do it. Or it was like, I definitely put my name to it. Yeah, I've been like, yeah, this yeah. is my recommendation, guys, and it has to be good. And uh, we had a great meal. And then when that moment happened, when we got the wine, but we also decided to get all the desserts on the dessert menu. And they came over. And one of them was so good that I grabbed Ed's arm and said, fuck you. Because it was tasting <laughs> so <laughs> It tasted so good. Uh, <laughs> Did it have Marmite in it? It was like a mint chocolate layered ice cream cake thing. Yeah, oh, it was good. Lord. We went there again at the end of the trip. We did. We went there again because it was my birthday then. So it's like my birthday meal. Yeah. And, we, and me and John went, I can't remember what Lloyd. Lloyd, Lloyd, wasn't, was Lloyd had a cold sore and he wasn't feeling well. <laughs> you love cold sores, don't you, Brett? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, what is the meal that you thought was the sexiest? Petty Bambles, let's go with you, since the genius. It's a hard question, isn't it? It's a difficult question. What is food is sexy? Mm. To be honest, I any time I eat a meal with my significant other... You are aroused. Yeah, to start with. And then any sense of arousal is immediately dampened after I eat as much food as possible and drink a bottle of wine. At which point... First in the tears. Yeah, at which point I feel like a big beach ball with a... <laughs> tiny little hook penis there's nothing arousing or sexy right. about me Ho- i feel horrible yeah I, I i'd say for the same reasons i've never really got to the end of a meal or even and thought man i i would really yeah. love to have sex and just try not to fart the whole time that's that that'll <laughs> yeah, be great yeah that's holding in a fart like my life depends on it so this i mean the sexy stuff really has to come pre-meal i'd say mm-hmm mm. But if you're talking about the food itself, I don't know, pasta? <laughs> yeah, that would do. Genie? <laughs> the thing is, you know, we, your mind works differently to ours, Brett. And you, mm. we could say to you, why is this thing sexy? You would, you would be able to tell us, mm. here's why this is sexy. I don't know if I've ever... I mean, obviously, desserts 
are up there with just eating a good dessert is up there with you know some of the best feelings, and I guess sex is also up there with some of the best feelings. So I'd say some of the best desserts I've had. What about the one where you grabbed Ed's arm and said "fuck you"? Yeah, well, well that's, that's pretty sexual, actually. Yeah. yeah. That is pretty sexual. Fuck Maybe that's, you, I'm that, eating that. a mint chocolate. Tart, whatever happened. <laughs> yeah, mint chocolate Yogi ice tart. cream stack cake. Yeah, I mean, that felt pretty pretty sexual if it made me yeah. grab my friend's arm and say, fuck you. <laughs> now, there's a su- subcategory, uh, troubling boners, worrying wide-ons. Which meal did you find arousing what? and you weren't sure you should? Now, my answer is... Uh, the meal that Ed just talked about where he felt like a blighted beach ball with a hooked penis. <laughs> That's my travelling boner. What about you two? Hold on a second. Is this is this a regular... You haven't... When I've been on your podcast, you've not asked this question. Is yeah, this a regular yeah. bit in your podcast oh, where you say, you know when, when did you have a boner and you were worried about what it said about Yeah, it? yeah. You did the first episode. It didn't. It, this question didn't arrive until Nathaniel Metcalf brought it to my attention. And then it's been ever since. And then you did a resurrection. So you've never answered that question. Why don't we do one crossover back and you answer the film you found arousing, but you weren't sure you should because you are actually the only person who hasn't answered that. And we don't yet know if you're a pedo or not. (laughs) (laughs) My genuine sexual awakening was watching a Hanna-Barbera cartoon where, where an egg becomes sexy. And I found I found the egg, the cartoon egg, uh, who falls into a pot of boiling water and, and, and comes out of it. Uh, all sexy. I found that really arousing. Mm. James, this is your answer to both both versions, meal and film. That's yeah, a sexy meal. You fancy it's an a egg. sexy meal? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the egg, the egg in the yeah. cartoon that came out of the pot, all sexy. How did it come out sexy? What what changed? Before it went Just in, it, it was quite a coy lady egg with a little like pink bow in her hair and stuff, and then she went in the water right. and came out like Sandy D. Uh, at the end of, you know, it's, it's like a proper Sandy D thing and came out like, you she know. said like a leather jacket and shit. Leather jacket, big stilettos, big eyelashes and, and just mm. being really mean to the boy egg. It was like suddenly went from, they were kind of, you know, fancying each other a little bit, the two eggs. Mm. And then she fell in the pot and then it was like, whoa, this isn't fancying anymore. This is like, yeah. something's going to happen. Right. And I didn't know what it was at the time. I didn't understand any of that stuff, but I was like, this feels different. And then the boy egg fell in the water and came out all mean, and I didn't like that. I was like, oh, no. And so I knew I want to be the nice little boy egg. And you want the mean girl? With the mean girl. At the end of the egg film, with the sexy mm. eggs, she comes out of Sandra D, he comes out mean. Do they fly mm. off in a car at the end? No, they don't fly off in a car. I think they... Um, I mean, I kind of blocked the ending from my head, so maybe they just bang until they become a big plate of scrambled eggs. <laughs> also, why... Why did you decide you wanted to be the nice egg? Because it sounds like the nice egg didn't get the, the, the fit egg. It's not, I didn't decide it. My body just didn't respond the same way. Right. There was the, the point in the cartoon where they're both nice, mm. my body was doing nothing. The point in the cartoon where she's mean and he's nice, my body was like, I want to fuck that egg. And then the right. ending, when they're both mean, I was like... You were like, no, nah, I'm out. No, don't, don't like this. You don't like to be equals with the egg that you're... After I he likes to be subservient, you're yes. a submissive. Yeah, yes, that's what it is, and that's why now he still he pays yes. women to whip him with omelets. Yes, <laughs> I go in and I give them a whisk and I go, "Let's do this. Beat me." <laughs> all right. What's the meal that is objectively the greatest meal of all time? Ped fried chicken. Yep, agreed. Every nation has a version of fried chicken. Every food culture. I like shit fried chicken. I like amazing fried mm-hmm. chicken. Fried chicken is always there for you. Fried chicken's delicious. What an ad. I wish that was an ad because you were <laughs> yeah. really good at them. The genie. Ice cream. Ice cream is always there for you. Ice cream is delicious. <laughs> shit ice cream is yeah. shit though. Sure. Is it? And I love it. Because shit, you can get like icy, like when it's too icy or it's been frozen wrong or crystallised mm. or the flavour's not mm. good enough. Whereas I think bad fried chicken has its own merits. Nah, bad fried chicken offers feel like, oh, well, this is going to kill me. Yeah. And it doesn't even taste nice. Whereas bad ice cream, I'm like, well, this will do until the good ice cream comes along. <laughs> What's the one meal you could eat over and over again? Same as what I just said. Ice cream. And you? Lasagna. <laughs> lasagna. <laughs> lasagna, is it? Yeah, love lasagna. Genuinely, right. lasagna, I could eat it all day, every day, but it's not socially acceptable. I could get up, eat lasagna all day, go to bed, get up, eat lasagna again. My answer isn't really ice cream because I couldn't do that and I don't do that because, like, 
if I've had ice cream one day, I don't want it the next day because I don't want to overdo it. So My grandma once made always. lasagna and I ate so many portions of it that night that I was sick off the top of a bunk bed. <laughs> <laughs> onto what? Floor. Not onto, not onto the, the person, person below, below, sadly. Not onto the they just took their head out to see how you were. Yeah. Nan, come up here. Keep a thing on my face. Jeannie, what's the meal you could eat over and over again? Well, the one I've been eating the most, we're, we're recording this during uh, lockdown at the minute, and the one that I've been eating the most over the past year at home, and I never get sick of it, and I've got to the point now where every time I eat it, I literally say out loud to my girlfriend... <laughs> How how much I never get sick of it, and I was like, oh, I just I look forward to it every time. I think it's great. Um, so she got to put up with that same speech every time we eat it. Is the the chorizo and broccoli pasta that we do? So we you chop up chop up the broccoli stems, uh, chop up the chorizo, garlic and chili. Have them in the pan. Uh, get get some nice pasta. Put that in with it once it's boiled, yeah. and then chuck in uh, capers mm. and uh, some parm- uh, grated parmesan. And every single time, it just tastes amazing. And That's I could great. eat that every day. Um, every time I have it, I'm just like, really, the main thing this last year has been making sure that we space out our chorizo, chorizo and broccoli, broccoli pasta, pasta meals, meals, because otherwise we know that we're just going to have it every day. That sounds really good. Yeah. I'm going to make that. And I'll tell you why I like that, James. Yeah. It's because you've got chorizo, capers, yeah. and parmesan in there. Three huge strong flavors. That is yes. getting. That's what I like in a meal. I want to feel like I'm being kicked in the face. They're great and great way of dealing of uh, using up your broccoli stems in a way that you know in a tasty dish. You use your broccoli for something else. All the all the broccoli heads delicious, but get those stems, chop them up, gives gives the dish some crunch. It's so good. What's uh, I normally don't like being negative, but you know it's about food, so I don't really care. What's the worst meal you ever ate, the genie? On Josie Long's tour that I mentioned earlier, we stopped at a B and B at one point, and when we got there, the lady said to us, "I know why you're here," and we were like, "Yeah, well, why to stay over?" But she was like, "You've heard about my award-winning breakfasts, my award-winning fried breakfasts," and she showed us. When we were signing in at the desk, the certificate that she had framed on the wall for best fried breakfast and showed us to our rooms and said, so you'll all be wanting the fried breakfast tomorrow, I assume. And we hadn't thought about doing that. We went, oh, yeah, OK, yep, fine. And then we got up in the morning. And she was like, oh, I was worried. You were, I was thinking, where are you? Well, they, they, they can't be missing breakfast. It's the fried breakfast time. I've, I've got the fried breakfast ready. And then we all sat down and she brought out the fried breakfast and it was the worst meal I've ever had. It was absolutely disgusting. Um, for the rest of the day, my stomach was like a lava lamp because she'd used way too much oil. And I could just feel all the oil just swimming around in my stomach like a big old lava lamp. We all kept on commenting on how we felt sick for the rest of the day. It was not nice while we were eating it. It was even worse afterwards. And the, and the effects of it just stayed with us for a full 24 hours of just feeling like we'd just downed a bottle of olive oil and then went about our day. Uh, it was just so bad, especially because I've never had a meal hyped up to me so much by the chef before, but, <laughs> but, but like a whole day leading up to it. So easily that. I'd love to see the, the certificate on the wall. I'd like to have seen sort of who had made it, who had who was accredited to this award, like where yes. the award, who'd awarded it. I'd love to know. There's so many questions. It's a real, I reckon there's a podcast in that mystery. Um, Petty Pambles, what's the worst meal you ever had? I did a television show called Almost Royal, uh, where me and Amy Hargett travelled around America. Thank you. Um, pretending to be members of the royal family. And there were very long days on that on that show, so meals very important, as I'm sure you understand, Brett. Up very early in the morning. You've got to have your coleslaw at some point, yeah. Gotta have it, gotta <laughs> have it sometimes. When are you gonna get it in? Up very early in the morning, travelling around, exhausting, pretending to be in the royal family to real people. <laughs> concealing secrets is quite quite draining so lunch incredibly important it was always up to the fixer who was different every city so they'd be taking us around the city and showing us the best places to eat and stuff and driving us around and i think we were in san antonio and um she'd heard the fixer that there were some veggies and vegans on the crew so she decided to take us to the only vegan restaurant she knew in the area you know i'm not against that i wasn't as on board with it then as I was now and it was a cafe attached to a spiritual bookshop um 
it was a sort of bookshop that sells like books about which crystals to get if you want to cure cancer. That like proper yeah. bullshit bookshop. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, uh, sorry, I forgot you love that stuff. And I was so hungry. I was like blinded by hunger. I was quite angry as well. And the lady said, do you eat meat? I said, yeah. She said, well, we obviously don't do meat here, but I recommend our bacon cheeseburger. It's like a riff on a bacon cheeseburger. I said, well, that sounds very nice. I love those words. It was, I'll take you through it. The bun, <laughs> Instead of a bun, which you would have thought you can have a bun in a vegan meal, they replaced mm. the bun with two raw portobello mushrooms. <laughs> mm. The raw. burger was a cooked portobello mushroom. <laughs> The cheese was bean spread, and the bacon was dried coconut. Oh, wow! I've never wow. been ang- I've never been angrier. <laughs> and it fucked. The- I don't think any of the scenes that we filmed after that lunch are in the edit. Oh, to donate five pounds, text the word "comic" to seven zero two zero five. Text costs your donation amount plus your standard network message charge, and one hundred percent of your donation will go to Comic Relief, a registered charity. You must be sixteen or over, and please ask the bill payer's permission. For full terms and conditions, visit comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. What's the meal that made you laugh the most? You're both in comedy. Mm. What's the funniest meal you ever had? Uh, The genie. My family and I Mm -hmm. went to Banbury and we went to a little tea shop and we were sat around a table and a little old lady, really old, uh, daughter of the old lady, run the tea shop, it's her tea shop, and we all asked for tea and Banbury cakes. And she went and she brought them over. And we're, it was a round table. And she gave us all our tea. And she put out all the Banbury cakes. My brother was on the opposite side of the table to her. And she looked at him and she went, here's your Banbury cake. And she leant over and did a massive fart as she was handing it to him. And, uh, and we couldn't stop laughing for the rest of the day, mainly because she said, here's your Banbury cake, and then farted. It was because she had said, here's your Banbury. If she'd just farted, it would have been funny. But she said, here's your Banbury cake. And while looking at him and handing him a Banbury cake, farted. So that was the best. It was the best, most funniest. My mum crying laughing. Did she laugh, the woman? No, nope, she just said, pardon me. And then she, and then she <laughs> went back into the kitchen. Even worse. Did you all laugh in her face? Yeah. Or how did right? We couldn't help it. We were like, <laughs> you know, us kids weren't, you know, weren't old enough to not be able to. And my my dad wasn't laughing, but he was telling my mum to stop laughing. My mum had tears streaming down her face before the lady even left the table. Like she just couldn't hold it together because the timing of it all was just too perfect. Or he was the last one to get his Banbury cake. Here's your Banbury cake. Looked at him and departed. <laughs> it was like so disrespectful. And as for you, here's your Banbury cake. Farted. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. That's great. Petty Pambles? Some of the meals where I've laughed the most, I don't really remember why I was laughing. Um, and they normally happened when we were writing the Greg Davis sitcom Man Down. Big fan. Uh, me, Mike Wozniak, Steve Morrison and Greg Davis. It was a, a great uh, fun time. I uh, helped them write series three and four. Um, and obviously the best you're two like, series. thank you widely considered to yeah. be by me you know that feeling where you're locked in a room with people writing for hours and hours every day and you basically establish your own bizarre language between each other uh and in jokes and catchphrases and then you go out into the real world and none of that changes so you're just normal people sat in like a in a real situation, but you just go talking absolute shit at each other. Like catchphrases, like we called each other bodybuilder for six months straight. Mike Wozniak still refers to me as bodybuilder. And we had so many meals. We were just crying with laughter uh, and it all escalated to the Christmas meal we had um, where we bullied Mike Wozniak for an hour and a half. And then we all got in a cab to go back to Greg's flat and we threw Mike's glove out of the gloves out of the window. (laughs) In the car, out of the car, out of the taxi window, we threw one one of his gloves out the window, um, and then he was like, "Please don't throw my other glove out of the window." And then we threw his other glove out the window, and then we called him Double Glove for the rest of the night and started singing Double Glove. It's easy because you're beautiful. Just witless, yeah, witless bullying. He was probably walking around going, "Huh." That was our other our other <laughs> joke about Mike. One day he turned up to a writing session. He felt weird and he didn't know why. He wasn't hungover, uh, but he felt hungover and he kept just going, I feel weird. 
and then just out of nowhere would go, huh, and like thrust his hips to try and get rid of the weird feeling. <laughs> just madness. Just when you just you just cook in the same room as people. <laughs> huh. uh, what a horrible answer. you probably don't get that though now do you brett because you're like writing over zoom and it's like you're writing with people you have to seem semi-professional in front of right there's an element of of zoom no but then it's still all it still all happens you know that semi-professionalism i can't really see you you know ganging up on one of the other writers with everybody else and bullying them no, and not, throwing their no gloves out of the window. In, we don't, there's no bullying in it's sort of one of the kind of, I don't know if you've seen this show, but we're quite big on not bullying. Yeah. It'd be great if the secret behind Ted Lasso is, they're yeah. fucking horrible. They're yeah. fucking yeah. horrible. That's the twist on Ted Lasso. Yeah. That they're not <laughs> with Lasso. Sorry, cut that or bleep that. <laughs> we've had a i've had a wonderful time actually i've really enjoyed finally getting to do a podcast with petty pambles and the surprise guest the genie uh but when the genie when you granted joel domit's wish to be mm. the winner of the mass singer when the rules were changed to the winner of the mass singer is the person that is told take it off take it off they take off their top they have to stand next to joel domit with his top off and then joel domit decides if they've got a better body than him and they never win <laughs> when you granted that wish and then you immediately died and when you petty pambles uh, auditioned for ted lasso in front of me jason wasn't there but i was wearing a sticker that said jason Sudeikis, <laughs> and you got so excited and nervous that uh vein in your forehead it did to be fair say in the script this character gets well angry and um you were really going into it but then your brain exploded mm-hmm. and i so i i immediately i started eating it obviously uh you put you died in front of me i thought i'll eat your brains i had to it's what i, I had a coffin on me. <laughs> I had a coffin on me i stuffed you in the coffin i see the genie dead over in Joel Domit's dressing room. And I said to Joel Domit, you're not even going to, you're just going to ignore it. And he said, well, he served his purpose. You know what Joel Domit's like. He said, it's so served his purpose. Don't care that he's dead. And then he kicked, he bloody kicked the lamp. And I said, Joel, come on, man. Your TV's nice guy. And he said, oh, nice guy's really nice guy off camera. And I said, I haven't seen you in ages. You used to be so nice. And he, and he started kicking the lamp, kicking the lamp, <laughs> kicking it with his perfectly toned calves. And I said, stop it, Joel. And I grabbed the lamp. And I stuffed it in the coffin with Ped Pamble's uh, corpse, brainless corpse. And I put him in the coffin. And the thing is, there's only enough room to slip two meals into the coffin with you both for you to take to the other side. And on the other side, in this weird heaven that you've, you, you're you in, there's dinner every night. And one night it's your special dinner and one night it's your special dinner. What dinner are you taking to share with people when it's your turn for dinner club in food heaven. Petty Bambles. Ribeye steak, cooked medium rare, crispy chips, roasted Brussels sprouts, halloumi, and a big bar of chocolate. Oh, that's a fucking good meal. Yeah? I'm going to that one. Yeah. What about you, the genie? I'm taking the chorizo and broccoli pasta and a massive bowl of ice cream. Okay, I'm going to Ed's one, but that does sound lovely. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for doing this very special episode of menus to be buried with menus to be buried with of films to be menued with (laughs) with petty pambles and the genie i've been bradley p i've been Greg Osteen, and this has been comic relief please give all your money to it you know what if you've listened to this and you don't give money to comic relief you're also a Well, there we are. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it, James? I loved it. Always lovely to speak to Brett and to speak to him about food was an absolute pleasure. Yeah, sure. His eyes didn't spark to life as much as it does when we talk to him about films. You can tell for the whole thing, he was just pretending that we were talking about films in his head. Yeah. I would like to get Brett on off menu at some point, really, uh, because he's making such a big play about not liking food and not understanding it and not being into it. I feel like we should dig down into his dream meal. 
Yes. For too long now, we haven't had Brett on the podcast because the listeners have protested it and said that they don't want him as a guest. And I say we stop listening to the listeners and we do what we want and we get Brett, Brett Goldstein on this podcast. And I know it's going to ang- anger a lot of them. Yeah, it is. But, you know, just calm down. Calm down. We're getting we're getting Brad Goldstein on this podcast. Yeah, Brad Goldstein. But remember, this wasn't uh, just for S's and G's. This was for the brilliant comic relief. Uh, and remember that your donation is powerful. And all the money that's raised on Red Nose Day from hopefully your donations uh, and all the other brilliant stuff that happens on Red Nose Day, it can help people living incredibly tough lives. Take action against domestic abuse, tackle mental health stigma, provide safety to families who need support and help to give children the best start in life. Your donation will help people live incredibly tough lives both here in the UK and around the world. Even the smallest gift can help. Please, if you're able, give now at comicrelief.com forward slash podcast mashup. Thank you very much for listening to Menus to be Buried with. We have been Ed Gamble and James Acaster. Thank you very much to Brett for interviewing us so professionally. We will see you again sometime soon in the Dream Restaurant. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont. And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you enjoy, well, um, there's another, there's a uh, another podcast just coming out. Oh no, the podcast is out now. Yeah. If people have enjoyed Off Menu, will they enjoy Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains? I don't, I don't know. There's, well, there's a bit of a crossover. We talk about um, maybe, you know, a couple of food uh, issues. We talk about cutlery, and that's near food. We reckon it's out now. Not soon, it's now. Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. If you like James and if you love Ed, you might get a kick out of this. But yeah, again, no pressure. But um, yeah, this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brands.